Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. I want us to read about the word of God today in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. If you'll turn your Bibles or swipe your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. Matthew 20, 17 says, and I'll read. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Let's stop there. We'll continue reading. But here is Jesus, together with the 12 disciples. Judas is among them as well. And they are going to Jerusalem. Why are they, why are they going to Jerusalem? They are going to Jerusalem for the Passover. And there Jesus is going to be sold and is going to be crucified. In fact, he says, there is going to be handed over. He's going to be condemned to death. He's going to be handed over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and to be crucified. But he ends by saying, on the third day, he will be raised to life. Verse 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it, to, what is it, what is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at the right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are, say, you are asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup? I am going to drink. We can, they answered. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at the right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. There's a woman here, the Bible calls her the mother of Zebedee's sons. Zebedee's sons were James and John. James and John were among the disciples. They are actually disciples among the twelve. And they had their mother with them. And it is not uh, strange that the mother was there because, because she accompanied Jesus and the team quite often. So it is not a surprise. You remember how the Zebedee's were called by Jesus one day uh, the Bible says Jesus came across John and James and their father Zebedee's and they were mending their tents and Jesus called them from fishing into fishing for men. So the mother is there here today and here she comes with a request before Jesus and when she comes before Jesus she wants a favor. Jesus asks what do you want? And she says that please grant me a favor. And the sons were together with her, and she says, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. They knew that Jesus was ending his ministry and he was coming to a culmination of his ministry. Like you are folding up things together. It's like a movie that is coming to an end. 
and a climax. Most movies mostly end with a climax and Jesus was going to die and they knew that maybe he's going to form a very powerful kingdom. And here the mother comes and asks Jesus for a favor and he asks for one favor that may my, may my son sit with you in your kingdom. One on your left hand and the other on your right hand. And Jesus asked, her, asked them a question. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? That was the suffering that he was talking about. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? They said, yes, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink, the cup, the, drink from that cup. Jesus said, you will indeed drink from that cup which is suffering. They later even suffered and were persecuted as apostles. But to sit at the right or the left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Let's read verse 24. When the, when the ten heard about this, the other disciples, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when the other disciples, the ten, had the request of these people who wanted to sit at the right hand and another one at the left hand, they were not happy. They were infuriated and they were sad. But Jesus said that the rulers of the Gentiles actually lord over people. They are lords over the people. The high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, what you should do is that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, to, did not come to be served, but to serve and to, be, to give his life as a ransom for many. Today we'll talk about the character of Jesus and our subtopic today will be servant leadership. We shall emphasize on the servant leadership of Jesus. What is leadership? What is leadership? There could be so many definitions on leadership, but one thing that is so prominent is that there cannot be leadership without influence. There cannot be leadership without making an impact. For us to evaluate, to know that whether you are a leader, a good one or not, we must see and evaluate how you impact other people. What influence is there? Or is, or is, it, that, is it that it is just a position you are occupying? Leadership must have influence. Leadership must have impact. And so Jesus was a leader, and his way of leadership was different. His way of leadership was different. So we shall talk about the character of Jesus with a subtopic this servant leadership. Jesus is a leader who became the greatest influencer and left a very great impact. He had only three years for his ministry, three years, and see what Jesus did. For those who said Jesus, I'll back you up that Jesus is indeed the greatest leader of all time. After several years, he's still impacting lives. 
After several years, he's still making impact and influencing people's life, even after leaving this space and going to be with the father. And so, the mother of Zebedee comes with the sons to Jesus and they ask him, I want my sons to be with you in your kingdom. And in your kingdom, let one of them sit on your right hand and the other to sit on your left hand. Moving to Jerusalem for the Passover, Jesus elucidates what awaits him in Jerusalem. He was going to face his death. And the mother of James and John come to Jesus with a request. Asking to be with Jesus in the kingdom. To sit at the right and to sit at the left suggested a proximity. I almost said promiscuity. Sorry for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that again. <laughs> the right and the left suggested a proximity to the king's person. And therefore a share in his prestige and power. It was proximity to the king, and therefore it signified a prestige, a place of prestige, of sharing prestige, and a place of sharing power. So they wanted to rule together with Christ and to share prestige together with Christ and to share power together with Christ. But Christ says in verse 27, not so with you, instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So instead of sitting like a Lord to control and to rule, Christ said that it should be service to the people. Can you say Amen. Let us read the book of John chapter 13. Turn our Bibles to the book of John chapter 13 from verse 1. John 13, 1 to 17. Now we read. It was just before the Passover festival. We said that they were coming from Jerusalem. They are coming, going to Jerusalem for the Passover where Jesus was going to be crucified. And John speaks about that here again, he says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave, his world, to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Jesus, prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, then, then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. I think he referred to Judas, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put up his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, has washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now they have reached Jerusalem and they want to do the Passover. The Passover was a ritual they did to remember the things that the Lord had done for them in the land of bondage. I remember Moses when he had run away from Egypt and he was in the wilderness taking care of his business. And suddenly Moses saw a bush that was burning. Moving closer, he saw that the bush was burning, but it was not really being consumed. And he heard a voice saying, Moses, remove your shoes, for the ground that you are standing upon is holy ground. And when he moved closer, the Lord told him, I've heard the cry of my people, the cry of the children of Israel in Egypt, and I am going to save them. I'll send you to Pharaoh to deliver my people. After so many struggles, Moses comes before Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh, the Lord, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. But Pharaoh refuses to do that. And so God performs so many signs before him, he still refuses. And there are plagues that came. There were locusts, there were frogs, all the water turned into blood, the sea, and everything else, the drinking water, but Pharaoh still hardened his heart. The last one that broke his heart was when the Lord told Moses, Arise in the morning and tell the children of Israel to make a sacrifice of a lamb. And after making that sacrifice, they should smear the blood of that lamb on their doorpost. Every Israelite had to smear blood on the doorpost. And the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so that night, the angel of death passed all over Egypt. And where was blood, nothing happened. But where there was no blood, the firstborn died, including the house of the king. And so there was weeping and wailing all over Egypt. And Pharaoh stood and said, called Moses and told Moses, you can go with your people and worship your God. 
You can go with your flock if you want to. You can go with everything else. You can go with all your slaves if you have to go with them. And in fact, they gave them their ornaments. They gave them gold. They gave them silver. They left a rich people. People who are slaves. And so the Lord told the people of Israel, you will celebrate this as the day that the Lord showed you mercy and saved you from the land of slavery and saved you from your bondage. And so up to today, the Jews celebrate their Passover. And so when you read the book, the, in the chapter 13, it starts by saying it was just before the Passover festival and they were sitting down to eat. Having walked a long distance to Jerusalem, their feet must have been dirty and sweaty. But because they are tired, they just started to eat. It was normal for them because they did have, uh, they, they were not sitting on chairs the way we are sitting on a, chair, on, a, on a dinner table to eat. They could have a small table, maybe this size, like a coffee table, a small one. And so you could like lean over like this on a pillow and straighten your legs like this, and then you start eating. So it was, as you wash your hands, you also wash your legs. But that day, that did not happen. And so Jesus rises up and begins to wash their feet. Maybe it's like, maybe if the Swahili people, they might have good functions, but sometimes when they eat, they, they sit on mats, and on a small table, they eat sitting down. And so that is what comes to my mind. Uh, maybe Larry can explain that better. And they use their hands. They don't use, don't use kijiko and things like that. So when you talk about them eating uh, while lying down or sitting la down, Larry begins to understand uh, what we are talking about. <laughs> so Jesus begins to wash their feet. There are some resistance from Peter. But eventually, eventually he allowed Jesus to wash his feet. Here is a master who had performed signs and miracles and led so many people and changed the life of so many people. But he comes and begins to wash their feet. Verse 12, he says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? That was his question. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. You're calling me teacher? He says, yes, I'm a teacher. You're calling me Lord, yes I'm Lord. You're calling me Rabbi, I'm a Rabbi. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. He was giving them an example of servant leadership. You're talking about the character of Jesus. And we say that he was a servant and a humble servant at it. And he's telling us here that that is an example he was setting for us. That we become leaders and we become leaders that are servants. 
not leaders who want to rule over others and to sit on the left and to sit on the right, but leaders who are called for service. I'm reminded of a king called Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4. Daniel is just after Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 4, we will read. In the Old Testament, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was powerful. In his time, he reigned the kingdom of Babylon and ruled many nations. He fought many nations and conquered them and ruled them, including Judah. So when he came to Judah, he ruled Judah and toppled Judah, toppled the king of Judah and placed another king in that place who would submit to him. And he even raided the temple and stole the precious things in the house of the Lord. And you know, it was not, you are not supposed to enter the holies of holies if you are not a priest, but he raided the precious things and the sacred things in the house of God and went away with them. He was indeed powerful. He was strong. We read from verse 25, chapter 4, verse 25. Chapter 4, verse 25, the Bible says, chapter 4, verse 25, you will be driven away from people. He had a dream. The king had a dream. And in that dream, there was a tree that grew so fast and grew so big and the birds could find their food there and could build their nets and food could extend to every direction there. The roots were so strong and people depended on that tree. That was a dreamy hand. But there was a diversion from that. Something negative happened. Uh, you will, and then all of a sudden, the, the tree was destroyed. And so he wanted an interpretation, and these people could not interpret that. And so he called Daniel. Daniel was an, uh, a Jew who was brought into that kingdom. So because uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was ruling, he brought people from all, all the kingdoms he had conquered to learn the ways of Babylonians and the uh, civilizations of Babylonians, the bright people there. And Daniel was one of them. And so he was called to come and interpret because the king had heard that he was he had the spirit of the Lord and he could interpret dreams. So in verse 25, Daniel now says, You will be driven away from people and will live in the wild with wild animals. You will eat grass like the, the ox and be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over all nations of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It, is, it, it, it may be that your pro prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great king, the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my power and for the glory of my majesty? 
In that dream, it was at this tree that was growing very much. A voice came from somewhere and some power came and destroyed it. And so the king wondered why the, 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 the tree gets destroyed. And Daniel says that that is you. You've risen so fast. You've had power. You've had splendor. But the Lord says that you will be destroyed. And so, after 12 months, the king was walking on top of his roof, the royal palace of Babylon. And he looked down on Babylon. It was glamorous. And he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, that means while he was still speaking, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and, and, and gives them to anyone he wishes. While he was still praising himself and acknowledging himself, saying that this is what I have built by my own power and by own majesty, a voice came and said, you will be driven away from the people and you will be like wild animals and you will eat grass until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign. He was actually praising himself for the things he has done, the, the nations he has conquered, the wealth he has accumulated, the sacred thing he had stolen, and he said that it is by my power and by my majesty that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have done this. And the voice came and said, because of that, you will be like a cow and you will eat grass. Verse 33, the Bible says, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and he ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Immediately he turned into a cow, like a strange animal which had feathers and things like that. And he began to eat grass. Verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored then i praised the most high i honored the glorified i honored and glorified him who lives forever his dominion is an eternal dominion his kingdom endures from generation to generation verse 35 all the people of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he pleases with the power of heaven and the people of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have I done? One beautiful thing at the end is that Nebuchadnezzar realized that it is the doing of the Lord that is not his power. And he said that he raised his eyes towards heaven and his sanity was restored. When it came to his realization that it is not by his power nor by his might, 
his sanity was restored. And he began to indeed to praise the name of the Most High God. He says, I praise the Most High, I honor and glorify him who lives forever. He continues by saying his dominion is eternal. Not, not now his dominion, Nebuchadnezzar's dominion, but the dominion of the Lord. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And he says that all peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing because the Lord does what he pleases. His eyes were opened and he realized that it is the Lord and his sanity was restored. I'm reminded of Hitler who was powerful in this world. And I went to Wikipedia and read uh, a paragraph on Hitler. Wikipedia says, Adolf Hitler, 20th April 1889 to 30th April 1945, was an Austrian-born German politician who was the dictator of German from 1933 until his suicide in 1945. Indeed, he died of suicide. He rose to power as the leader of the Nazi party, becoming the chancellor in 1933, and then taking the title Fuller Hudre that is German, 1934. I'm not sure whether I pronounced that correctly. During his dictatorship, he initiated World War II in Europe by invading Poland on 1st September. 1939. Wikipedia continues by saying he was closely involved in military operations throughout the war and was, a was central to the perpetration of the Holocaust, the genocide of about six million Jews and millions of other victims. Nothing to celebrate about. All bad things I, I read from that paragraph. This was a powerful person was a politician who rose to power and who became the leader of a party. And when he got that power, in fact, he was a dictator. And his dictatorship, he initiated the famous World War II by invading a country called Poland. And it says that he turns by saying that he was involved in military operations throughout the war and was central to the perpetration of the Holocaust where over six million Jews were massacred and millions of others victims. One person says that he rarely smiled. Hitler rarely smiled. But one day when he stood and saw blood of the Jews streaming in the gutter, he actually smiled. When I went deeper to understand how he died, they say that when he was told that his army was besieged and they were going to be captured and his ammunition, ammunition was coming to an end, he could not wait to see that. He entered his palace and entered his room where no one was allowed to come. It was only him and his wife who could get into that room. And there he took a gun, the same weapon he used to kill people, and shot himself dead. He 
did not want to see his throne or his reign coming to an end. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who saw his fault and accepted the Lord and turned, this person could not humble and so decided to kill himself because he did not want to end his reign. We are talking about leadership and the servant leadership of Jesus Christ being his character. I had a chance of working at a company which I'm not mentioned. It was a very good company. Uh, people were fun to be with. Although the work was too much, if you could not produce, you will be shown the door, if not the window, because you'll be just thrown away. Uh, we loved it. We loved it when we were doing well with that organization. There was one unwritten, unwritten rule that you could not overstay and linger around the water dispenser. There was a water dispenser and it was uh, normal for people to go there and uh, have some chats and linger there. So once in a while the manager could walk around without seeing him, you could just sense somebody watching him and just run. So it was an offense to linger at the water dispenser. The water dispenser had become a place of gossip where people wasted company time. In fact, they said company's precious time. It had become a place of gossip. For example, that is why you would know that a new system was going to be implemented at the water dispenser. It was at the water dispenser that you will know who is coming in and who is on his way out. If you wanted to hear about company politics, you could hear it at the water dispenser. It was at the water dispenser that men came to try and get to know the new lady that had joined our company. <laughs> you will know her more at the water dispenser because they will just say, this is Angela and she's joining us from A and B C company and she's going to work at our finance social department. And that will be all. So if you wanted to know more about Angela, you'll wait for her as she comes at the water dispenser. And so you'll also pretend that you're thirsty, thirsty, <laughs> <laughs> though you're not, and take a cup and then you'll get to know about her. It was at the water dispenser that I lost my job. <laughs> Why did Larry say? <laughs> so when I see dispensers, <laughs> it brings me memories as if it happened yesterday. It was indeed a Monday morning and I came into the office and I looked at the notice board and there were names of around 20 people. My name was number three. And I was worried about that. I wanted to talk to someone about that. And I just went to the water dispenser so that the first person comes and I asked, what is this on the notice board? 
And there comes Nick. He's still my friend up to today. I asked Nick, my name is at uh, the notice board. And he said so and so and so should work hard in this quarter. They did not perform. And if they don't do this and this, there are grave, grave repercussions coming their way. Nick told me, you don't know. Those people whose names are there, come the month of September, they'll show the door. I said, wow. The way I'd worked so hard, uh, I've never been to that list before. And so I said, before they, before they show me the door, I think I'll go. I went to the receptionist and asked her for a paper to write. And said, what do you want to write? I told her, give me any paper you have. So she picks two photocopies papers and I wrote. I say thank you for the time you've given me to work for this company, but they have made up my mind, I'm leaving. And then I gave the lady to give the manager. And the manager saw my letter, I refused to take it. He said, it was just a threat. Why did you do that? I decided, I said, I'll take it to the head office. So I went to the head office and put it in an envelope so they didn't know what it is. And I addressed it to the human resources and I left. The following day, the manager receives a call from head office asking him what is happening about Fred and looking at his performance. He has done this to the company. He has brought A and B C companies. He has brought this high-end high client and things like that. What is happening? And the manager calls me and uh, tells me you can take back your job. And something tells me, Nick also tells me, if you go back there, <laughs> now they will show you the, 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 the door properly. <laughs> uh, before that, another friend of mine call, says, Eric calls, we, will call, we will call Eric, Eric comes and says, uh, we have heard what you've done, you've given in your resignation letter. In fact, I'm going to draft mine. I'm also leaving this company. And I asked Eric, where are you going? I'm going to the next one, just across the road. Uh, when are you beginning? I will begin next week. I'll join that company. Whether that was true or false, I don't know. It was just encouraging me. But it was at the water dispenser that I lost my job as a result of what someone told me. That is what happened. It was at the water dispenser that I was misadvised, if not misled. And so we've looked at the life of Jesus while he was going to face, as we end, as we come to an end, we've looked at the life of Jesus as he was going to Jerusalem to face his death. And the disciples are, are cognizant of that fact that he's going now to build his kingdom. The mother of Zebedee and the sons comes to, he, to Jesus and they ask to be lords and kings to reign. Instead, Jesus says that you, have no, you don't have to be lords, you have to be servants. And before he faces that death, he tells them by example and shows them by example how they should serve by being servants. And he indeed washed their feet that I imagine were dirty and even sweaty at the time. 
And he takes his towel and wipes their feet. And they continue to break bread. That was the example of Jesus. It was servant leadership. So as we come to an end, I want to say that God has placed you in positions of leadership. As a mother, you are a leader. As a father, you are a leader. As a wife or husband, you are a leader. And the children are looking at you. May you lead by example. Children learn more by what they see, not what you tell them. God will place you and has already placed some of you in responsibilities, in places of responsibility. May you take it humbly and be a leader who is a servant. There are people who are looking at you as their leader. People who you, whom you don't even know. These people I admire and emulate you. It's my prayer that you become that leader Jesus is talking about. So when God takes you to those places of leadership, remember the, book, the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 23 verse 11 and 12 where he says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, like Nebuchadnezzar. And those who humble themselves, themselves will be exalted. Tomorrow as you get into your positions, into your places of work, places of business, remember the words of Jesus. That the greatest among you will be your servant. God is calling us to be servants. Jesus says, for those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, indeed, will be exalted. As you go into your spaces, remember that if you are faithful, the little much will be added to you. As you enter your spaces tomorrow, know that you are a steward. And when doors open, when doors begin to open for you, for doors will indeed open. Do not forget the example he gave us of servant leadership. Do not lord it over them, but lead them by example. Lead them by humility. Don't you ever forget, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is a judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That is Psalm 76, verse 6 to 7, whereby it says that exaltation does not, does not come from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. And God is a judge who puts down one and exalts another. God is able to lift you up. He's able also to push you down and there lifts another person. Jesus had a huge following. He had authority to get anything he wanted. People praised and pampered him, yet he lowered himself and served others. In the book of Mark chapter 10 verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to, not to be served, 
Jesus came to serve. May we be like Jesus. Such was the character of Jesus. May you lead with influence. Not with position. May you lead with impact. May you impact others. May you be cognizant of the fact that leadership is service and not lordship. May you be cognizant that leadership is service and not lordship. May you look unto Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray that we may emulate you in all we say and do. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.